This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And we have our dear sister Yasmin here who has come to interpret our words to our brothers and sisters among the hearing impaired community. So assalamu alaikum to you too and thank you sister Yasmin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. We thank Allah. We send our prayers and blessings unto his messenger. Thank you Allah for everything that you have given us. Thank you Allah for our parents. Thank you Allah for our children. Thank you Allah for everything that we have forgotten and you have blessed us with forgive us O Allah for we have not worshipped you as you deserve my dear brothers and sisters we are brothers and sisters and we share our grief we share our pain we share our struggles not a single person in this world lives a life that is perfect without any hardships without any grief, without any struggles, without any sadness or pain in the world. For Allah said in the Quran, in Arabic, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ So Allah says, we are going to put you through different trials in your life. A little bit of fear at times. A little bit of hunger at times. A little bit of loss of finances and wealth and luxuries. And sometimes loss of lives, either yourselves or around you. And sometimes a little bit of loss from your own businesses, your own fruits, your own food. Allah says, give the best news to those who persevere and are patient. The ones who when a trial or a hardship falls upon them in their life, they only say, to Allah we belong and to Him we will all return. My brothers and sisters in Islam, this word, inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'oon, we all belong to Allah and to Him we will all return. Wallahi, for people who can understand the meaning of this word, everything in your life, insha'Allah, will ease. Allah knows. He knows what we go through. He knows our pain. He knows our struggles. In my first talk, I'm going to share with you my own personal journey in a different way that you have heard on YouTube for the first time. 
I want to share with you how I went through my own grief and tragedy, which I am not alone in. There are hundreds of thousands, millions of people around the world who have been through what I've been through. I'm no special. But I want to share with you from a religious perspective, from a spiritual perspective. How did I find myself staying on my own two feet? What happened? How did I get through it? Am I happy now? How did I get to here? What is it? And my journey, my dear brothers and sisters, actually begins before the tragedy, as you know, the tragedy of the death of my son and brother, rahmatullahi alayhima, and upon all of your lost ones and all the Muslims around the world. It began when I was nine or ten years old. Did you know it began when I was nine and ten years old? My whole life, the way I see it, and insha'Allah, the way you should see it, it led up to the time of the tragedy. And whatever happens from here on is also leading up to something else and something else. I know it's a trial from Allah. And I know that Allah knows that I will be able to get through it. And I will insha'Allah prove to Allah and to myself that I can. I will keep going insha'Allah. I'm here to help you and inspire you my dear brothers and sisters. If I can do it, you can. My journey starts when I was 9 or 10 years old. It was my father. So it begins with parents. The real school. The real education. The real preparations, my dear brothers and sisters, begins with the parents. I'm only going to share with you things that you are very familiar with. Things that you can do when you leave from here. I'm not going to tell you something as if some angel came down from heaven and I saw them on the cliff and I don't know what. No, I'm not going to tell you stuff like that. No fantasies here. Just real life. Because the Quran talks about reality. It's for everybody. So my brothers and sisters, my father, he was an amazing storyteller. And he had just gotten religious. And he surrounded himself by religious friends. So my mother, myself and my siblings, we had religious people around us who were loving, non-judgmental, caring. Wallahi, all I saw from them were smiles. Smiles. As a child, you remember smiles. I've got a friend back in Melbourne. He called me up the other day and he said, my little daughter who is seven years old, she said, Dad, where is that man who smiles? I said, moi? Me? He says, wallahi. And he said, you know, children, they remember that. They remember smiling. And wallahi, smiling does wonders for you. If it does it for the children, they are, they are our teachers too. We can learn about that insha'Allah. Anyway, my father told us the stories of what? Of all the prophets of God. And all the stories of the prophet's companions. Companions that were around him. What did this do to me at 9 or 10 years old, brothers and sisters? It may, gave me role models which he brought back to life. And it's as if they were living around me everywhere I went. Wallahi, this is how it began. Simple stories. And you know what, brothers and sisters, you tell your children stories, it's like music to their ears. Tell children stories rather than 
just rules and commands and haram and halal. And my advice to you as well, brothers and sisters, is teach your children about the positive knowledge of Allah. Speak to them about paradise. Speak about, to them about the beautiful angels. Speak to them about the lovely Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and how he was with children and how he had fun with them and joked with them. And smile when they make a mistake as much as you can. If you make a mistake with your children, go up to them and humble yourself because they're going to learn humbleness from you. And tell them, I'm sorry, I also make mistakes. Give me a hug. Hug your children. Brothers and sisters, do you know what I'm talking about here? I'm talking about simple things that everybody already knows. But let me emphasize something to you, brothers and sisters. I'm talking from my personal experience. Children, if you want to prepare them for the hardships of life, and to be able to be strong in their future, wallahi, it starts with these simple things. You've got to build the positivity, the energy, the inspiration in them, wallahi, it makes them very strong. That is how the Prophet ﷺ was. You know, there was a child who had a bird. It was his pet. You know the story? It died. An-Nughayr. People around him, you know, they're rough and tough. They said, Khalas, it's gone. It was just a bird. Us lebos, that's what we do. If our child cries about a bird, we say, get out of here. You're a boy, you're a wuss. That's what we say. We make them feel low. Inshallah, none of you do. But we should go with the flow. He went and sat with this boy and paid him condolences as if he lost a member of his family. He put his arm around him. He said, tell me all about your bird. My brothers and sisters, this is where it starts. Now I felt role models around me which gave me strength at school. I got bullied because I don't do the things the other kids did. I did not have a girlfriend. My hand never touched the hand of another girl except by mistake and when I became a teenager once or twice. <laughs> and I got caught by a sheikh. It's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to stop me. I'm going to get to that. My father instilled role models and brought them back to life that no matter what happened, I remember them. But Mus'ab ibn Umayr, the great companion, he also went through family bullying. His family disowned him just because he converted to Islam. He was luxurious and wore beautiful clothing. The women used to stand on the balconies and wait for Mus'ab to come past because he smelled so amazing. He was charming. And when he turned into Islam, they left him and took his wealth to the point where when he died in the battle of Uhud, he was holding the flag of Islam with even his arms severed. And Rasul could not find enough wealth to bury him and cover him, not even from his own wealth. And he said, Bakhin Bakh ya Mus'ab. Bakh is, is an Arabic word. Oh Mus'ab, how much you had, and now we can't even find enough material to cover you with as we bury you. And he was so eloquent, a public speaker. Many people learnt about Islam through him. And that's what inspired me. That's why I'm standing in front of you, brothers and sisters. I had a role model that you know you know from the stories my father gave me about the different women companions and how i started to respect my mother and my sisters because of them he instilled what the great prophets went through yusuf alayhi salam and how his brothers threw him in the well and how he ended up in prison and how he was bullied and accused 
There isn't a hardship in our life that you cannot learn from the prophets and the companions. They all went through it all. Do you know why they went through it? Because Allah wants us to have a connection with the most beloved of His. And Allah wants you to know that just because you go through a hardship, it does not mean that Allah has left you or that He hates you. Nor does it even mean that if you have a lot of wealth and everything seems to go the way you want it, that He necessarily loves you. No, no, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is merciful. But you might see someone who is really bad. And it looks like everything's going for them. And then I've heard people say, you know, Allah must love you. Sometimes I see you driving in a nice car or you've got things going, you've got a nice house. And they say, Wallah, Allah bihabbak. Allah must love you. How do you know that? You see another person who's not doing so well, but doing their religion properly. And they say, see, see what religion does to you? It just keeps you behind, keeps you poor. Both of them are not true. Subhanallah. But my brothers and sisters, this is the first thing we need to think about. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not work that way. The real richness and the real happiness is inside here. Nowhere around us. One brother, he said to his son, and I had a talk, he was a friend of mine. He said to his son, son, if you give that $10 in charity, Allah will give you back things in your life. I said, brother, don't teach him that. So what if he didn't get what he expected? He's going to think that charity is bad. Another one says, pray, because if you pray, Allah will make your life good. The child doesn't understand that. He's going to think, every time I pray, I'm going to make money. I'm going to get more Eid money on Eid. I'm going to get more toys. I'm going to get people who like me. And when he goes to school and has a rough time, says, what did my prayer do? I'm going to leave the prayer. It starts there, brothers and sisters. Rather tell them that when you pray to Allah and when you give in charity, Allah is going to give you something special in here that when people come and hurt you, when things go wrong in your life, He's going to be there for you. You're going to be strong because your salat makes you strong. Your charity makes you generous. It helps you to see other people who are in need. It makes you see other people and not just yourself. This is what we need to nurture in them. Look on YouTube. There is a lady who raised two entrepreneurs. They are very famous. And they asked her, what is the secret? She said, I got them involved in charity events, community events, for them to give, to take part. Why? So that they can see the sick, the poor, the needy, the orphans, the other people who are struggling, the people in domestic violence, the people who are hungry, the people who are on drugs, the people who are struggling in their marriages, the parents and the children who have problems. They got to learn and develop empathy and look beyond themselves. That is true strength, my dear brothers and sisters. Anyway, Allah says in the Quran, أَفَمَنْ أَسَّسَ بُنْيَانَهُ عَلَىٰ تَقْوَىٰ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانٍ خَيْرٌ أَمَّنْ أَسَّسَ بُنْيَانَهُ عَلَىٰ عَلَىٰ جُرُفٍ هَارٍ فَانْهَارَ بِهِ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يَهْدِي الْقَوْمَ الظَّالِمِينَ Allah gives an amazing analogy in the Qur'an. He says, compare these two. The first one he says, what do you think of a person who built their building on the brink of a river and the only foundations is water and thin soil 
And a person who builds their structure on solid foundations, fearing God, loving God, and going by God's guidance, are they the same? The one who built his construction on weak foundations, the construction will fall and he will fall with his construction. And then Allah says, Allah does not make available his guidance to the people who wrong themselves. Therefore, we have something to do. We cannot sit there and say, Allah will organize everything for me. Whatever happens, it was written. Yes, it was written. But we also have a duty ourselves to do. We have work to do. My brothers and sisters, I grew up that way, being prepared. And my father was a wise man, mashallah. May Allah reward him. On Saturdays and Sundays, Friday nights and Saturday nights, sorry, we used to have a butcher where we give out, back in the days, we used to give meat to the restaurants. And he used to take my brother and I deliberately past the nightclubs, the, uh, the, the, the discos, the pubs. And as a child, I used to see people the age of my grandmother walking on the street, drunk, saying silly words, and everybody's laughing at her. For me, I thought, what made her that way? My father would show us, what about that man that's lying on the street and everybody's walking over him, he's passed out. What about those people inside? I used to see disco lights, we can't hear the music. Have you ever seen people jumping up and down, dancing without the music? I said, Dad, and I'm sorry, that's how I said it when I was a child. I said, Dad, they look like monkeys. I can't hear the music, they literally look like monkeys jumping up and down. As a child, my father taught us, you want to go down that line? This is the type of situations you will see. I said, subhanAllah, no, I'm not going to go down that line. So the foundation was strong, brothers and sisters. We visited the sick. I remember going to a funeral. We buried people when I was 12, 13 years old. We used to go and visit people who are in need. And my father would tell us, here's some money, go give in charity. Brothers and sisters, there's the key. Now I learnt about the hereafter. I learnt about the day of judgment. I learnt about death and what happens after death. I learnt about all these stories about Allah gives us in the Quran and these prepared me. This is one of my solutions that I'm talking about. We went to Lebanon and in Lebanon I was 16 years old. How old was I? 16. And I got so religious there. The Quran is played on the masjids. I'm listening to the Quran. I'm listening to the words of the adhan. It does something to you. And one day I remember it was a Jumu'ah, Friday. And I stood outside. The sun was shining. The Quran was on in the masjids, the mosques. And I said, Ya Allah, I'm ready. I am ready. I closed my eyes and I said, now. I said, mean take me. I'm ready to come to you, Allah. Wallahi, I felt an amazing feeling. Nothing, nothing serious. I just said, Allah, now. I said, nothing happened. Then I stood there again and I said, all right, my Lord, Ya Rabb, I'm making dua here. You're supposed to give me what I'm asking. I said, Ya Rabb, I'm ready now. I give you permission. I said, now. Nothing happened. I'm in Lebanon. There's just been a civil war. A bullet can come, you know, stray bullets. Come on. Anything. Ya Rabb. <laughs> Back in the 90s. 
Nothing happened. I got disappointed. Wallahi, my life was going good. It was beautiful. I have everything. It was nothing. I wasn't miserable. I wasn't sad. I just felt, I want to go to you, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah. I remember my little daughter. She said to me when we were praying, Baba, I want a ladder. I said, what do you want the ladder for? He goes, I want to go up. He goes, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to go and hug Allah. I said, Baba, we can't hug Allah. She goes, but I want to say to him how much I love him. I said, why do you want to tell him you love him? She said, he gave me my dad, he gave me my mom, he gave me my bed, and he gave me my blanket that has lots of colors on it. I said, I got you the bed and the blanket. She said, yeah, but Allah made you get it. I said, true, true, true. I said, all right, if you want to hug Allah, you've got to pray. She goes, is that why we do this, like we're hugging him? In the child's language, we say, yeah, but that's how you hug Allah. He goes, all right, I'm going to hug him. Brothers and sisters, the fitrah is there. Allah is always telling you, I'm close to you. Don't worry. But in your head, you might think the other way. So then I was disappointed. My life kept going. There must be a reason. Time passed. One day I'm at the masjid. I was only about six, uh, so 17. I come out and I see my mother. And I said, Mom, you know, today I was reading Quran in the mosque and these two boys came and asked me religious questions. No one's ever asked me about religion. She said, you know, Mom, I saw a dream. I know I promised you I'm not going to talk about fantasy stories, but she did see a dream and I think a lot of you will see these things. She said to me, I saw you standing on the pulpit on the stage and you're reading Quran and people are listening to you. And there was a man wearing white and he said to me, glad tidings to your son good news because he reads the quran what do you think that does to a young person like that hearing this from his mother i started to hold on to the quran so this is it and there was an old man who used to sit on the roof in front of our house and our grandmother used to live with us she had a missing leg and she used to wake me up for fajr and if i don't she'd shake me and destroy me and she used to tell me, look at that man over there. I looked at that man and he's reading Quran after Asr for two hours. He has to finish the Quran in two weeks. Now he's probably 70 years old, I'm only 17. And I said, I'm going to be like that man. Why should he only do it? And so I started reciting the Quran. Every day there was half an hour after Asr, this was it. Every single day. Have to read the Quran for half an hour. And you know what happens, brothers and sisters, when you make up your mind for something and you manage it, suddenly in about two weeks or so, everything around you in your life goes, works around it. You manage your life and you organize it that way and it becomes your new life. It's not hard. You just got to do it and watch what happens. The Quran, my dear brothers and sisters, is very important for me to tell you about it because that's the second thing that came to rescue me. The Quran. How do you speak to Allah and how do you hear Allah speak to you? It is through His words. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ said, on the day of judgment, Allah says in the Quran, sorry, He says, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ رَبِّ إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا On the day of judgment, the messenger of God will complain and say, My Lord, my people took this Quran and neglected it. The Quran, my dear brothers and sisters. Sometimes you read the Quran, you get a bit tired, put it aside. Sometimes you want to listen to the Quran. Listen. And when you get tired, stop listening. Once the Prophet ﷺ asked his companion, read the Quran to me. He says, Ya Rasulullah, the Quran was sent upon you 
and you're asking me to read it? He said, sometimes I like to listen. So he got up to a verse that, the, that affected the prophet. It brought him pain. He said, stop, stop, stop. I can't handle more than that. And he was crying. The part where it says, we will bring you a messenger of God as a witness upon the people. He said, this is a heavy task. Anyway, brothers and sisters, the Quran became part of my life. And one day my mother saw another dream, this very quickly. She said, you're on the pulpit, mum, and you're giving a talk to people, hundreds of people. And so I took the companion Musab as my role model, and I studied public speaking. I started to, subhanAllah, it just came, subhanAllah. Now, my brothers and sisters, when you're in that world, you're surrounded by the people who are like you. You're surrounded by people who remind you of Allah. They remind you of the hereafter. They get you ready to why you're here in this life. Most people don't know where they come from, why they're here, and where they're going. This is not it. This life is not it. It made me see this world truly like a small bridge. This is how I used to imagine it. A small bridge. You've got land here and another land there. And these lands, one land here is small, and the land on the other side of the bridge is huge, and there's no end to it. The land before it is when I was in my mother's womb, in her stomach. The bridge is this world. You're not just going to stay there. And the big land over there is huge. Growing up, this is how I saw life. So I was ready. As the Prophet ﷺ said, one day I was in a khutbah in Lebanon, and the Imam said, Jibreel ﷺ came to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and said, Aish ma Live as long as you wish. You're going to die. Muhammad you're going to die. Wahbib ma shi'at. Love as much as you want. You are going to depart. And then he said, And do not get attached to what people have. Try not to need people. Be self-sufficient and don't ask people and you will feel free. And know that your honor is in your night prayers. That's my third rescuer, the night prayers. So first the role models, second the Quran, third the night prayer. And within this, knowing where I am and why I'm here and where I'm going. Brothers and sisters, then he said, and know that your night prayers is your honor. And these are four amazing key, uh, keys to our life for us to keep going in hardships, brothers and sisters. As I grew older, people around you, the people reminding you of the hereafter, people telling you about death, I learned about death. And the people give you inspirations, positive people around you, the masjid, the friends, the people who come to Islam because of you. I have many stories like that, of course. But Allah opens doors upon doors upon doors. One day I'm at home and a young man, 19 years old, comes and knocking on my door at 2 a.m. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you these because these are all playing a role in the lead up. He comes into my house at 2 a.m. How did he find my house? I don't know. He comes in and says to me, he's crying, he's afraid, he's shaking. I said, come in, come in, come in. He said, is it suicide if a person takes drugs and dies? I said, 
come inside. Let's talk. Let's sit down first. I'm not going to give you an answer. We sat down, said, what happened? He said, oh, I wish I listened to you. I've been hanging around with the wrong people. I don't take drugs. I don't steal. I don't do any of that stuff. But I like girls a lot. So what happened? He goes, it was Ramadan. His friend said to him, let's go and meet up with these two girls. They're behind the mosque. They're behind the mosque. It's Taraweeh. You go there, you pray. Your parents are at the front. They're behind the mosque. He got in, sat with them in the car, and they had little pills and said, here, take these pills. He said, no, no, no. He says, oh, you're not courageous enough. You're not a man enough. So he took them and something happened to him. He comes to my house, says, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I said, let's get up. We make wudu. We pray two rak'ahs and we ask Allah to forgive you. He did that. I said, cry it out. Cry it out and ask Allah to forgive you. No, nothing will happen to you. Don't you dare listen to the shaitan about all these bad whispers. And he prayed to Allah all night. We slept. The next day he went back to his parents. Alhamdulillah, till today he is away from all harm of these. He never went back to him, alhamdulillah. He's married, he has children, he's happy, alhamdulillah. Brothers and sisters, Allah brings to you people around you to show you and teach you and get you ready. Until the day came. Do you know what day came? What day came? What do you think? This young man here, rahmatullahi alayhi, Ali Banat. I see him in my dreams. I swear by Allah. I see him in my dreams. And the last time I saw him was at my center in Melbourne. I prayed Imam and I read Surah Al-Duha. He came and hugged me and cried. He cried. I said, why are you crying? He goes, it's so much hope. I cried with him. About six months or so later, I see him in my dream. And I am taking him around the world and showing him all the things that people have built after him, like the masks, the centers, the orphanages. I'm taking him. I have no idea, but I'm taking him in my dreams. And he's with me in the car and walking with me. And it's like he already knows, but he was smiling to me. It's just like, it's like I know what you're saying, but I'm going to smile with you. As if he came to me with a message. It was about two months after that, that my son and brother passed away, subhanAllah. Maybe. Allahu A'lam. I'm going to stop here, because I'm going to come back up, inshaAllah, afterwards. The food is out and I'm hungry like you. And I'm going to continue this journey, inshallah, and share with you the rest of it and how I ended up here in front of you. But I will tell you something. Today, I'm a very happy person. Brothers and sisters, I am happy. And you can see my clips in the UK. I just went there and I've started to say jokes on stage again. I'm happy. And I remember one brother in Lebanon, a knowledgeable sheikh. He came to visit me and said, you're going to go through a roller coaster. And then after that, you are going to be happy. I couldn't understand why. 
how am I ever going to be happy again? But I am. And next, inshallah, next lecture, I will tell you how I got there, inshallah. Jazakumullahu khair wa sallallahu ala bina Muhammad wa salamu alaykum. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Now my brothers and sisters, wallahi, I'm not used to talking about myself like this, but today I'm just sharing it with you to try and have a connection with you and try to inshallah walk away and think, okay, this is how it happened in his life, inshallah we can also get through it. My dear brothers and sisters, and now, I came across a beautiful hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, a saying of the Prophet, peace be upon him, where he said, If Allah knows that there is something in your heart, a secret between him and you, and he knows that your actions and your deeds so far in your life are not yet enough for you to enter paradise immediately, He will bring to you another avenue. What is that avenue? He will bring to you a hardship in life, bear with me, that he knows you will be able to persevere through it. And through that perseverance and patience, you will rise in your level without needing to do any extra good deeds than what you have already done and through that you earn the highest level in paradise did you hear what i said brothers and sisters some people their good deeds make them reach paradise and reach high levels other people are not very good at that maybe their circumstances don't allow them maybe their opportunities aren't the same as yours so Allah brings to you something of a loss, something of a little bit of sickness maybe, something of a little hardship, a struggle. And He knows that you will pass it. And He will use that as an excuse on the day of judgment and tell everybody, this person persevered through a hardship that I gave him or her, and they deserve nothing but paradise. Listen to what the Prophet said. He said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests a servant of his or takes away a beloved of his and that person is patient and persevering and thinks that their reward is with me and thinks well of me and knows that I am the most merciful and the forgiving I have no other reward for that person except paradise nothing less my dear brothers and sisters wallahi the mu'min the believer is something different we are weird we're weird to a lot of people, wallahi. We're very strange. The Prophet ﷺ even said, I find the believer very strange. Nothing good or bad that happens to them except that something good in their perception. They think of it in a good way. They're able to see the good in it. It is all good for them. Everything is khair for the person. If good happens to them, they are thankful if bad happens to them they are patient and they can see the good in any situation and this is only for a believer why because a believer does not only look in this world as the end this is just temporary every pain every struggle every loss every hardship every agony every worry 
Even the prick of a needle in this world, brothers and sisters, wallahi, it doesn't go in vain. Allah said even to the Prophet wasallam, He said to him, and know that no matter what action you do, I will compensate you for it. Allah compensates you, brothers and sisters. Just hang in there. Hang in there. Some people, they are patient when a calamity befalls them. Some people are more patient when you give them more good deeds to do. They do more. Some people are more patient against things that Allah has forbidden. Everybody's patient in their own way and Allah doesn't let it go to vain. Remember this, brothers and sisters. My journey now, I'm going to summarize it and come to what I actually did about it. Leading up to the event, our Prophet ﷺ always taught us, no matter what you do in your life, make your intention well. No matter what you do in your life, make your intention well. So that no matter what happens along that journey, you are doing it in the cause of Allah. You have fun on the journey, you're having fun in the cause of Allah. You eat on that journey, you eat for the cause of Allah. You help someone, you're helping him for the cause of Allah. You earn money on that journey, you earn it for the cause of Allah. Everything is rewarded. Make your intention right. So, I remember a night, we didn't want to go to Lebanon at all. And my mother was in Lebanon suffering from something. My brother, Allah irhamu, he sat in front of me and my son. And we said, Lebanon is bad. I don't want to go anymore. My brother said, Wallah, I don't want to go anymore. I said, hold on. We'll give my mother a call. If she feels good, we'll say, listen, mum, we we're not going to come. We'll come another time. But if she's really bad, we're going to go. So we gave her a call. And the thing she said for, to us was that she's not in a good state. She was a bit ill and things like that. And my father. When we put the phone down, my brother got teary. And I said to him, listen, let us all shake our hands and let us make our intention right. Oh Allah, if we die on this journey, we're dying with the intention, my Lord, of going to connect the ties and helping our parents. You know, in the Quran, Allah says, Your Lord has commanded you to worship none other but Him and to be good to your parents. It doesn't mean you have to listen to everything they say, good and bad. It means you have to be good to them. In good and in bad, try to be good to them as much as you can. Disagree with them in a good way and agree with them in a good way, if you can. My dear brothers and sisters, that was the purpose of our journey. We said if we die, we die fi sabilillah. And if we return, we return with a bag of rewards. That was the intention. Subhanallah, we went there. And the morning my father woke us up, we all prayed Fajr together. And we went on a hunting trip. My son was looking at his mobile phone. Allahumma, he was quiet. After the tragedy, I found his phone, and he had changed his uh, um, the the home screen to his two little sisters. He had missed them. Wallahi, he changed it one hour before his his meeting with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and they were happy. 
him and my brother praying, jo playing, joking, laughing. They were so happy, they were so excited. I don't know why they were like that. And subhanAllah, you all heard it on YouTube what happened. They had an accident. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed from the moment they were in their mother's womb that they were going to go back to Allah at that point. Yes, it's called death, but for a believer means you have gone back to Allah. Who did they go to? Did they go to a drug dealer? Did they go to a murderer? Did they go to a serial killer? Did they go to someone who's going to torture them? La wallah. They went to the most merciful. Brothers and sisters, I want you to remember this. No matter what tragedy you go through or hardship, remember that every salat that you pray, you say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Isn't that true? You start your rakah with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Did you hear the two names of Allah? Ar Rahman. Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman means his mercy is the source of everything. Ar-Rahim, his mercy flows and never stops. The source and the flowing that never stops. Then we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise to Allah for everything. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. We say his two names again. The most merciful, the one whose mercy never, never stops. Brothers and sisters, why do some people only think of the hardships and the punishments of Allah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to remember that He is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim and we recite it more than, for those of you who pray every day five daily prayers, you say it more than 26 times. Every day, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. That's what Allah wants you to know. At the same time, yes, Allah it does punish. However, this is just to keep us away from harm, harming ourselves and doing the wrong thing in this life. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Arham Ar-Rahimeen. And that's what we want to remember in the times of hardships. Listen to Allah's names and attributes. Every name of Allah, if a name begins with something negative, it always follows with a name that is positive. I will give you an example. Allah says, Ad-Dar, the one who harms. What comes after Ad-Dar? Anyone know? What's after Ad-Dar? Anyone has memorized Allah's 99 names? Ad-Dar. No one? Ad-Dar. Or one more go. Ad-Dar. No? Ad-Dar al-Nafi'ah. Ad-Dar al-Nafi'ah. The one who brings harm, the one who brings benefit. Do you know what that means, the ulama said? They said it means Allah will not harm you unless he is going to bring you a benefit from it. Allah will not harm you unless he's going to bring you a benefit from it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Khafid, Al-Rafi'ah. The one who demotes because he wants to promote. He demotes you because you're going to be promoted. He harms you because there's going to be benefit from that harm. Brothers and sisters, when we feel pain, we know how it feels. We know how to protect ourselves. When we were little children, how did we learn how to walk? We had to fall. We had to fall 100 times to learn 100 different ways of how to stand up. We fell 100 times to learn 100 different ways of how not to fall. That is why we fell. My dear brothers and sisters, you don't know what happens after hardships. Allah opens many doors. After that, I stood on the roof of my father's house where my son and I were the last time. And I said, oh Allah, what is my life for? Why do I need to keep going? I need to be with my brother and son. They're not meant to die before me. These are my, this is what my head is saying. Now obviously these are just whispers, brothers and sisters. And I want to tell you something. 
The companions came to the Prophet peace be upon him and said, Ya Rasulullah, sometimes we get whispers. We hate those whispers. Had we told you, we would rather burn in a fire. Burn us and, and we will rather not tell you what goes through our heads. This is human emotion. And the Prophet said, wow, do you really feel like that? He said, they said, yes. He says, Alhamdulillah. Thank God that he has made the shaitan's strength and power as simple as just whispering. He said, that is the true iman. The fact that you have these whispers and you don't believe in them. You don't go by them. You hate them. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left me alive for a reason. Each and every one of you here is breathing because there is a reason. There is a purpose. Some of us, we get sick and we think it's the end of our life. Allah says, no, you still have a little bit more to go. Why not me? Why my brother? Why my son? Why? Well, I stood there and suddenly I hear the Quran in the masjids. Allah said, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ بِكُمْ رَحِيمًا Do not kill yourselves. Do not burden yourselves. Do not overwhelm yourselves with too much agony and stress. Allah is ever so merciful to you. Allah is ever so merciful to you. We just don't see it yet. Then the, remember when I told you at, at a young age I'm reciting Quran all my life, yeah? Every day you recite the Qur'an. That's what the Qur'an does in the time that you need it. It comes to save you. It comes from your subconscious mind. You don't even need to think about it. My emotions are going haywire. And the Qur'an came up and it says, By the dawn and by the night as it encompasses you, your Lord has not left you alone and He has not given you up to anyone. My dear brothers and sisters, you know what Allah says? He says to the Prophet ﷺ to tell us that he says, Whoever harms a dear servant of mine, I declare war against that person. And my servant keeps coming closer to me with the things that I made compulsory upon him. His five daily prayers, his fasting, his hajj. He get closer to me. Allah says, and then my servant does little tiny good acts, voluntary acts, that he gets, keeps getting closer to me until I become his eyesight which he sees with, his ears which he hears with, and his hands and legs which he uses. And if he calls upon me, I will respond. And if he seeks protection from me, I will give him. And there isn't anything that I hesitated to do more then I hesitate to take the soul of my dear beloved servant at the time of his or her death. For he hates, he hates to die and I hate to hurt him. The hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. My dear brothers and sisters, who is Allah? Do you know who Allah is? You know, there are angels that Allah created. They have been bowing to Allah since the day they were created. The only time they lift their heads is on the day of judgment. And the first thing they say when they see Allah, Rabbana ma'abadnaka haqqa ibadatik. Oh Allah, we didn't even worship you as you deserve. Who is Allah? Who is Allah? Allah says, Wa nahnu aqrabu ilayhi min hablil wareed. Allah is closer to you than your own jugular vein. He knows your pain. He knows exactly what you're going through. Do you think that Lord who knows all of this about you is going to leave you and harm you? So long as you stick by him, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if my servants ask you about me, I am close. 
I will respond to the person who calls to me so long as he or she keeps calling upon me. Don't give up calling upon you. And brothers and sisters, here is a mistake that many people do. They think that if they ask Allah for something, Allah is going to give them exactly what they expected. No, that is not the way. If Allah were to give each and every one of us exactly what we ask for, we're going to fall into more turmoil because we don't know our future. We don't know what happens later on. Only Allah knows. And Allah says, put your trust in me. I will respond in a way that is better for you. Do you believe in Allah that he'll do that for you? Yes, he will. My brothers and sisters, that was the time for my son and brother to go. That was their time. Nothing could have changed it. Nothing. But then I remembered my daughters. Allah still gave me two daughters. Allah still has got my parents alive still. I got my siblings, I got my nephews, I got my nieces, I got all you lovely people. You know what brothers and sisters, through that something happens to you, you change. Every single night I make dua for my brother and, sister, for my brother and son. And I make dua for all the believers. So I've never made this much dua every salat as much as after they passed away. I'm always connected to Allah. Dua, connection with Allah. Number two, making dua for every believer on earth. Do you know that Rasul said, when you make a dua for the believers, there is an angel that stands behind you and says, Oh Allah, give him or her exactly what they're asking as well. Give him or her. The angels make dua for you. I started wearing my brother and son's clothes. This is my brother's jacket. I've got my son's t-shirt underneath. Do you know why? The intention. I said, oh Allah, this is their stuff. I'm going to keep wearing them whenever I do good deeds. I will walk with them because the Prophet ﷺ said, when a person passes away, everything is cut off from their deeds except for three things. A righteous child or a family member who makes dua for them. An ongoing charity that they left behind and knowledge which they left behind that people still benefit from. Even the word Bismillah when you eat, if you taught someone that, that keeps going for you in your grave, in the hereafter, until people stop doing it. So don't take for granted even the smallest of good deeds. That's what I started doing. What else? Charity. Money doesn't mean much after you lose a life. Money doesn't mean much after you've gone through that because you look and you think, subhanAllah, here I am planning and planning and planning and things that sometimes don't go ahead the way I planned. Obviously, I don't have control of everything. If I plan and things don't go ahead to my plan, what does a Muslim do? He says, Allah has willed and what he wills he does. Don't keep reminiscing and thinking, but if and if and if. Learn from your mistakes if you had made a mistake and keep moving forward. Rasul told us to do that. Why? Because then you're going to fall into depression, into anxiety, into trauma that you cannot climb out of. And Allah subhanahu wa does not want to harm you that way. There is a purpose and a reason for it. You know, brothers and sisters, you've been chosen to be in this world. You've been chosen. By who? By Allah. And also scientifically, you know the mother's egg? The egg chooses you. Science in the past thought that, um, excuse me, the sperm that beats... <laughs> into the womb, into the uterus, that's the one that makes it. It's a race. It's not a race. You are chosen. You are chosen even biologically. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose you deliberately. There is a reason why you are here, why you are breathing. For who? For what? Allahu alam. But just keep going.
There is a reason why you got sick. There is a reason why someone passed away. There is a reason why you lost your wealth. There is a reason why you married so-and-so. There's a reason why you have those children. There is a reason why you live in such and such a place and not other place. Make use of what Allah has given you. You know, in the UK, I met uh, a lovely family. Sheikh Omar Sulaiman took me to them and he said, can you come with me to this family? They're on YouTube as well. Their daughter died of brain cancer, rahmatullahi alayha. And she made a beautiful interview, a podcast with him, talking about her journey. And wallahi, till today I get so amazed by these types of people who get sick. How do they get closer to Allah when everybody else is thinking something negative? Wallahi, every time I see a Muslim or even someone I know who got really ill, something happens to them. They, they get closer to Allah. My brothers and sisters, that is a sign, that is a beautiful sign. SubhanAllah, the family went through some tragedies afterwards and they got so many doubts and questions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us to them. We went and sat down because somebody who's had a tragedy in their life, someone who's had a loss in their life, just by sitting with them, they know, that they feel amazing, they feel better because you've got something that you can connect with them. After that, how many people around the world are connected with? Wallahi, I've got so many brothers and sisters, we talk about this one's lost their child, this one's lost their um, daughter, this one's lost their parent, this one's lost, and we talk always. How many people did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefit through that? And what are the rewards for my brother and son as a result? You see, a mu'min thinks very differently to the world. Brothers and sisters, you know, I went to a camp in Melbourne, and in this camp, the young people are there. I sat on a table, a lot of these youngsters came and sat with me, they're talking, talking, talking. I don't know, I'm just answering their questions, I'm talking stuff. And they're listening attentively. I don't know what I'm doing, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent me there. One particular brother sitting there, he's listening and asking me a lot of questions and I told him about my journey. In the end, uh, brothers came up to me and they said, what did you do to that young man? I said, I don't know. He said, wallahi, he was about to take his life. And we brought him on his journey, hopefully we can help him. Just by sitting with him, I had no idea. Wallahi, Allah just sent me there. But you know why, brothers and sisters? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He prepares you for something even beyond your imagination. Just wait, wait and be patient. The time is coming when we will all meet Allah and you will see. You will see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did for you. Right now we can't see it all. One sister, she messaged me and saying, I can't understand why all of this is happening to me. Can you tell me? I said, I have no idea. Who can tell me? I said, nobody can tell you. You'd have to know the eternal past, the eternal present, the eternal future. You have to know everything about everything and only Allah knows that. Think about it like this. If you've got a young five-month-old child, for example, or a five-month-old or one-year-old uh, brother or sister, and there is a fire burning Let's say there's a little wood fire. That child looks at that fire and thinks toy, colors, play. Mum and dad always let me play. I want to go play with that. The child goes to the fire. What do you do? You move the child away. The child starts to cry. Wow, what's the child crying about? I'm a victim. Why am I a victim? The child thinks. Mum and dad don't let me play. They've always let me play. Why won't they let me play now? Little thing that's going like this. I want to play with it. <laughs> fire, burning. Nice. The child doesn't know that the fire is going to burn them. But the, fire, the baby keeps crying. And if you try to explain to the child why the, you can't touch the fire, is the child going to understand? Is the child going to understand? 
child will never understand no matter what you say. The best thing you can do, keep the child away even if the child cries. Even if the child suffers a little bit through emotions, it's better than to get burnt until the child is aware. Think of yourselves like that little child, my dear brothers and sisters, compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, he is alim, he knows everything. What is our duty? What should you do? Think positive of Allah and keep going. These are the things that I thought about, brothers and sisters, in my journey. The Quran never left my hand. The night prayers were the best because they're mine. You know, when someone tells you, pray your five daily prayers, everybody keeps telling you, parents tell you, pray five daily prayers. You feel it's an obligation. But when you do your own salat because you chose it, it has a different effect on you. Those night prayers, there are no distractions. You put the phone away, no TikTok, no Instagram. There's no one around you, everybody's asleep. There's nothing to, to rush to. Choose a little time in the night before you go to sleep. Wake up a little bit before Fajr. Pray two rak'ahs and just in your sujood. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, when you are down on the ground with your head on the ground, you are the closest to Allah than any other time. So talk to Allah in your sujood, in your prostration, in when you've got your head on the floor. And that's what I did. Sometimes I didn't know what to say. You might think, well, what should we say? Say anything. Say anything from your heart. Sometimes I'd just sit there and I would cry. Ya Rabb. And I'd cry for about half an hour, not saying a word, just with my head on the ground. Why? Allah knows what I'm going through. He knows what I want to say, although I don't know how to say it. Don't you think Allah knows? You want to say it in English? Say it in English. Say it in Turkish. Yaqi, say it in your own language. Make up your own language. Allah knows what you mean. Don't worry. Another thing I did was I'd go alone to far places and sit just watching the ocean sometimes. I would go and watch the, uh, the, the clouds, the trees, the animals. These things also make you connect with Allah. Another thing I did was I created new memories every place that my son and my brother we had spent time in. I have to create new memories. You can't run away, brothers and sisters. You have to go and face it. If you do not face it and deal with it, you're going to stay scared and running away. Allah does not want you to run away. Allah says in the Quran, So run away, escape, escape to where? Allah says, escape to me. Escape to Allah. Escape to Allah, my dear brothers and sisters. Just do it. Another thing I did was write a diary. Do you know what the diary does? Now we men, we don't usually do that. When someone came and told me, right, I'll tell you how I, I came up with the idea of a diary. There's a sister overseas, I don't know her, but she sent me a book. It just came in the mail, I go, who's this from? The mosque calls me up and said, someone sent you a book. I opened up this book. It's, uh, it's about an Egyptian woman who lost her husband in Egypt. Someone shot him, he got murdered. And she talks about her grief. And I read through that book, and she says, you know, I wrote a diary. So I go, what's a diary going to do? I just wanted to do as I wrote. I wrote my feelings and everything, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. One year later, I thought, I'm not progressing. So I opened up my diary and looked at back at day one. And I go, oh my God, I was that bad? 
And look where I am now. I am progressing. Oh my God, that brother in Lebanon who told me you're going to feel happy soon, it's working. I didn't leave Allah. I didn't leave Allah. It makes you feel that you are normal. You are okay. Things are getting better, inshallah. What did I focus on? I focused on all my brothers and sisters around the world. I focused on my daughters. They're still there. They still need their dad. Oh, maybe Allah did not take me because it's their right. Not only my right, there are others who need me. There are others who I need. You know, my parents nearly died in, in the COVID, in the, during COVID. They were induced coma. I'm sure that your parents maybe, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy upon those who passed away. And I'm sure maybe some of you have had this tragedy as well. Some of you got sick. My parents needed me at that time. My siblings needed me at that time. Someone needs you. That's why Allah keeps you. There's good in your life. That's why Allah gives you more life. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you now, it means this is the best time for you because Allah is going to look after you. Don't be scared of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't fear going back to Him. And every little thing that you go through in this life, every worry, ismau, listen to what the Prophet said. Not a single thing that a Muslim goes through, whether it be physical tiredness, pains of sickness, worry, anxiety, fear, harm, someone hurt you, uh, even the prick of a needle. Rasulullah says, except that Allah will compensate that person by expiating their past sins and shortcomings. The companions used to say, we love it when we get through, go through hardships and are patient because Rasulullah, the Prophet peace be upon him said, there could be people out there who go through so much hardships that they are so patient that they meet Allah with not a single sin on them. They are like babies. Think well of Allah. And you know, Islam is the only religion I know that really talks about embracing suffering. I know it's hard, but when you embrace it, you become strong. You don't let suffering get you. My dear brothers and sisters, I listened to the hereafter. What happens after death? What happens when we meet Allah? Knowing about the souls and the life of the souls after death makes you prepared as well and makes you at ease. Did you know the dead people, they talk to each other? Rasul said in, in, in the hadith is in Al-Nasai, says when somebody passes away, they meet, they meet the souls that have passed away recently. And these souls come to them. The Prophet said the souls come to that person and they say, tell us about my dad, tell us about our brother, tell us about our sister, tell us about our mother, tell us about our children, tell us about our friend, who got married, who, had, who gave birth. Do you know why they're asking these questions? Because the people of the hereafter, they don't want to come back here. They can't wait for you to go over. But they want more people. They want a whole celebration. You know, like the Lebanese, when they do weddings, we invite a thousand people. So that's how it is in the hereafter. And then someone says, Leave that person alone for a little bit. He or she has just come out of the claustrophobia of the world. This world is claustrophobic. And Allah talks about Prophet Yunus. When the big fish ate him, he felt claustrophobic. So Allah says, he was among those who remembered God. He kept on calling upon God. Allah says, فَنَجَّيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْغَمْ 
We saved him out of the claustrophobia. And this is how we will also save the believers. Why the believers? Because you put your trust in Allah. You believe in Allah. You have a connection with Allah. You have a relationship with Allah. So this world is claustrophobia. Anybody who goes after it is going to feel the claustrophobia. It's not going to uh, solve anything for you. Yes, it may solve a little bit of the poverty. Maybe it will pay your bills. But that's just the essentials of life. Then what? We are here for a reason. And we are going to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brothers and sisters. The best thing that you can focus on are your deeds in this life. It doesn't matter if you are a business person. You're, a, you're employed in some other area other than being a sheikh or an imam or a student of knowledge. A Muslim can benefit in any area they're in. Any area. You're a stay-at-home mum or you're a stay-at-home dad even. You're a, a teacher. You're a, a business person. You're a trade, tradesperson. You're a, a, whatever you are. You're a doctor. You're not a, Whatever you are, brothers and sisters, you can turn everything you do into a way that pleases Allah. Wake up in the morning and say, Oh Allah, I'm about to go to work. I'm about to do this. I'm about to look after my children. I'm about, I'm about, I'm about to do whatever. Oh Allah, know that I am doing this for your sake. Say it in the morning. Just say it. And suddenly everything you do, you don't, you're going to know that, Alhamdulillah, I'm on the right path. It doesn't matter when Allah takes me. You know, my mother, the other day, I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, man, she's always working. She's always serving everybody. We tell her to sit down. She doesn't stop. I come to take things off her. She won't let me. And I think, wow, man. Anytime my mother goes back to Allah, she's going to go back to Allah while serving other people, while being selfless. I said, subhanAllah, there's nothing but Jannah for her, inshaAllah. And all of you are the same. Subhanallah. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Isn't it a beautiful thing that we've got something to look beyond this, uh, this world? Something that we can look beyond this world? This is not it. If this was paradise, I'll say to you, I don't believe in God. This is not paradise. This is not it. Yes, get money, enjoy your life. But don't let your heart get attached to it too much. Because your expectations, they're going to hurt you later on. Be the son or the daughter of the moment. Tomorrow, Allahu A'lam what will happen. Plan for it, but keep a little gap in your heart and say, you know what? Only Allah knows in which direction I'm going to go after this. For Allah does say in the Quran, yusra." With every hardship, there are many eases. And then Allah repeats it a second time, in case you didn't get it the first time. yusra." With every hardship, there is a package of many good things with it. Every hardship. Now it's up to you to build that mindset and say, yes, I believe that. And watch how the doors will open for you. Watch how the doors will open for you, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, my dear brothers and sisters. Now I'm very happy. And I've been happy for about six months. It took me close to two years, Yani. And when I say happy, I mean I'm back to normal. I'm enjoying people. I'm enjoying doing the things that I was doing before. I was always happy in, with my faith with Allah, but now even in life, I can joke with people, I can laugh as I used to be, alhamdulillah. I'm able to. And perhaps Allah makes you go through a little bit of a hardship and a journey 
to build your character and to make you stronger than what you were before. My dear brothers and sisters, nothing goes in vain. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. And you don't know, tomorrow inshallah is another day. Leave it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go and kiss your parents. Go and be with your family. Try to work out your problems with people. Go and hug your children. Go and hug your husband. Go and hug your wife. You know, smiling, and I'll finish it with this. Smiling is a huge thing. Start with there. Start with a smile. You can't smile? Think about a good memory. Think about a moment that made you laugh. Think about a person you like and smile. Rasulullah used to smile all the time. Of course, it has to be a genuine smile, not one of those fake ones. A genuine smile. Smile to your kids. Smile to your spouse. You know, they say in science that if you smile, it gives you um, epinephrine, uh, sorry, not epinephrine, endorphins. It gives you endorphins and dopamine. When you eat chocolate, when you eat chocolate, it gives you dopamine and endorphins as well. And when you smile, it gives you endorphins and dopamine as well. It's the happy formula, the thing that makes you happy. So, you know, when you go home and you see your spouse or you see your parents or your children or your friend, and you're sitting down after a long, hard day, just say to them, give me some chocolate. Give me some chocolate. No, no, not that chocolate, like, you know, the smiling chocolate. And maybe there's more chocolate after that, inshallah, that will happen. Oh, there's a lot of chocolate after that, if you're married. <laughs> and with your friends, there'll be more chocolate, inshallah, in a good way. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, and lastly, hug your children. They say you have to hug your children seven times a day for 15 seconds if they're children still. Once they're teenagers, just, you know, Yo, what's up, man? What's up? Even to your daughter. Hey! <laughs> but they still love it. Your daughter might go, say, come on, ma'am, your dad, yalla. All right. She'll love it. She thinks about it. Your son, Habibi, dad, come on, man. And then, you, and then he'll probably ask you for something. Say, hey, this hug is because I love you. Not so that you can use me. So talk to them. Open up that conversation. Let your children know their family's there. You know, my little daughter, once she goes to me, I go to her, how do you feel that your grandparents are around you and your uncles and aunts? You know, all this family. I want to know how it feels. She said, I feel like I'm more than just myself. I'm bigger. I'm more whole. I have a bigger existence in this life. She sees all her ancestors and her family. That for me helped me a lot to be close to my family, my sisters, my brothers, my cousins, my parents. Wallahi, they're really there for you. And be careful with social media. Don't think that social media is going to, you know, validation from people is nice. But you all know that these people, they got their own lives to live. Someone gives you a little emoji. I mean, it's nice, but it doesn't really last long. Then you want to go back on again to get more of those emojis because it's just hormonal reactions. It's just a little bit of, you know, dopamine coming out and then you want more. But social media is not the place to get your solutions, it's right there in front of you, my dear brothers and sisters. They're around you already. Your children, your parents, your family. They are a huge blessing. Try to connect your ties with them. And connect your ties with Allah. And you'll see, inshallah, a happiness inside of you that you haven't witnessed before. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease all your problems and your hardships and mine. And every Muslim around the world, if you are going through any hardship with your family, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ease it for you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
connect your ties. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive the hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide our parents and our children and our family and our relatives. May Allah guide us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and only bring the best in your lives. And I wish for you and, and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you and all my brothers and sisters around the world happiness and goodness in this world and in the next. Jazakumullah khair wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa salamu alaykum wa It's Q&A, is it? Yes, go ahead, inshallah. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have, brothers and sisters. Please don't be shy. If I'm not able to answer, I'll say I can't. If I can, inshallah, I will say whatever I can help you with. It doesn't have to be related to the topic. It can be about anything, inshallah. Habib. Islamically, it's always Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, awla bil The ones who are closer to you are the ones who are more in favor of your assistance. So, the Muslims are the closest ones to us. The relatives are closer, they have the priority. But helping non Muslim charitable organizations is permissible as well. There is nothing wrong with helping non-Muslim organizations because so long as you know that it is truly going to those who really need it. In Islam, there is no difference between a needy Muslim or a needy non-Muslim. If they are needy, they are needy. But be careful which charitable organizations you choose. Some of them, they, they're not trustworthy. So you've got to make your research, inshallah. Some charitable organizations, they take our money in order to support and promote a religious uh, propaganda for example so you've got to be careful about that inshallah as for helping non-muslims and sending it through non-muslim charity organizations once you've done your research there is no harm in that and inshallah you will get rewarded and my evidence for that is what the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said he said before i became a prophet i took part in something called hilf al-fudul the hadith is in bukhari and hilf al-fudul hilf al-fudul was when all the people of mecca wanted to get together wanted to get together to help the needy, the oppressed, and those whose their rights have been taken. The widows also, the orphans, the poor, and all of them came together regardless of their religion to help the people who are in need and destitute regardless of their religion. Rasul took part in that before he became a prophet. When he became a prophet and he was in Medina that time and Islam, Islam was established and he knew that there were Muslims also in need, he said, ilayhi." Um, if I were to be called to this pact, this group that helps the needy and the poor, even after Islam, after I became a prophet, I would have also taken part. He would have taken part after Islam. So this is our... Uh, but obviously we favor those who are more in need. Our Muslim brothers and sisters are more in need because most of the uh, charity goes to other people and uh, there's less that goes to them. We have a question here, it says, ah, it says, how do you differentiate between a mistake and a hardship that requires patience? My dear brothers and sisters, there's no differentiation. A mistake needs patience and hardship needs patience. Both of them need patience, but I think I know what the problem is. 
many people have, there's a common mistake in the understanding of the meaning patience. A lot of people don't know what patience means. My brothers and sisters, patience has three meanings. One or all of them. The first meaning of patience is when something that is forbidden to do, you're not meant to do it. But your, your desires, your temptations, your urges tell you to do it. The patience here is to work against your desires and your temptations and your whispers not to do it. That's the first meaning of patience. Fighting and wrestling with yourself. That's patience and that's the highest form. The second one, sorry that's the middle form. The second one is when Allah has told us to do things. There are commandments that Allah gave us, there's obligations like the five daily prayers, the fasting. These things you have to do. That's also patience. Meaning, to struggle against yourself to keep doing it. This is also called perseverance, meaning not giving up. That's another form of patience that we all do. And the third form of patience, which everybody um, has no option but to do it, and that is when hardships befall us, when things happen to us, even when we make mistakes. Some hardships are made outside of our control, and some hardships happen to us because of our own mistakes. Some of them are done because of our deliberate mistakes. So there's three types. The ones that we had no control over, they happened. The ones that we made a mistake. And the ones which we knew they were wrong, but we still did them and now we're suffering. What do we do about these three? All three of them, you're patient, my brothers and sisters. If you did a deliberate mistake, what do you do? You repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if it was a sin. If it was not a sin, learn from it. It's a learning curve. It's a school for you. That's why you made the mistake. Humans being make mistakes even deliberately sometimes. Learn from that mistake. If you've taken the right of someone, try to make it up to them. Ask forgiveness for them if they won't accept your, your apology. Give back what you took from them if you have taken something from them. If you can't even do any of that, you can't remember who you made the mistake with, for example, it's the rights of people. Make a sadaqah and say, Ya Rab, this charity is on behalf of everyone that I've ever harmed and, and made a mistake towards. If it's a mistake against yourself, you made a wrong plan, you made the wrong uh, decision, learn from it, inshallah, and do better next time. If it is a mistake that uh, you didn't know about and you're suffering from it, it's okay. Be patient with it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still reward you. Because, you know, Adam alayhi salam, he ate from the tree. Was that not a mistake? Adam alayhi salam, he ate from the tree that Allah forbid. And Allah says, Fanasi, he forgot. What did he forget? He forgot how serious it was. And he went and believed the shaitan when he said, Wallahi, the tree is good for you. He, he trusted him because he said, Wallah. He fell into it. And Allah told him, didn't I tell you the shaitan is your enemy? But what did he do about it? He took words from his Lord, which he used to ask Allah to forgive him. And Allah says, I will still be with you. I am watching over you. Don't worry. No problem with that. So my dear brothers and sisters, mistakes are normal. And you be patient with them. And even when you're patient after them, you get rewarded for it. The reward is tremendous, especially after you make mistakes. Lastly, we have, how do you help someone raise their deen when they seem helpless? or don't actually engage in what is advice. Well, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. I can advise you. You can, you, can, you can control your behavior. You can't control their behavior. First of all, get that into your mind. Because if you think otherwise, you're going to start pressuring this person and putting more pressure on them when they're not ready for it. You know, I, I go with this. 
I'm sure for those of you who are parents, you probably go with that with you, you, you probably go through that with your own children. I'm going through it with my own children. Sometimes it's my mistakes, sometimes it's their mistakes, sometimes I could have done it a better way. But the point is sometimes if I do too much, you know, ever heard of tough love? You've got tough love too much, you might do the wrong thing. So what you do is, inshallah, all you can do is advise them in your best way. Talk to them in secret, talk to them between each other. If it is a child, walk with them outside. Walk together, let's go for a walk and talk side by side. Sometimes you can sit down and you, uh, there's something called the sandwich effect. Have you heard of the sandwich effect? There's an approach with people. So you praise them, then you say their problem, then you praise them again. Or you praise them, then you advise them, then you praise them again. Make sure you start with a praise, end with a praise. Start with a compliment, end with a compliment. So you've got to show your love. You've got to show that you acknowledge. And then say, and please let me know if you need my help. If they don't listen, make dua for them. They will come round, inshallah. But you plant that seed. The hidayah is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But inshallah, you've done your part as much as you can. And at the end of the day, if there's someone who really precious to you, someone you're responsible for, like a child or you know, a parent or a cousin or a relative or a spouse, at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, you've done your part. And the rest is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As much as you can. Uh, you can gift them with a talk, you can give them with a meme, but people don't like that. And say, some, some, one brother, he said, bro, all you do is just keep sending me all these talks. I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to listen to them. I put you on mute. He said, all right, stop, stop, stop. Don't pressure the person. Sometimes you just got to be, have a good relationship with them. Just be good. Just joke with them. Just laugh with them. Sometimes your character speaks louder than your words. Right? If you can't talk to them, you can't advise them, well, then maybe someone else, inshallah, can. Invite them to an event of yours. Invite them to something that is human between you and them. You know, we don't always have to give da'wah and talk, talk, talk. Sometimes just being friends with them, being nice to them, being there for them. And always wait for that. Wait for that call when they call you because they probably become in need. And that's when, inshallah, you go and help them, inshallah. A lot of people react in different ways. So these are some pieces of advice that I can Sorry, give. Sorry, Sheikh. We got a question over here. We got a little girl there, young, young girl. Sister. Yes, Amma, mashallah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. I have a question for huh? you. Um, what is a dua that would make someone else's life easier? What is a dua that can make someone else's life easier? Yes. Oh, mashallah. You know, I can tell you a dua that the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught us. I can tell you a dua from the Quran, but I guarantee you're going to forget it as soon as I finish. So, I'm going to tell you the easy way. Ask Allah in the way that you want to ask Him. Ask Allah in whatever way you can. So like this, if I was in your place, I would say, Oh Allah, make that person better. Oh Allah, help that person to be on the right path. Oh Allah, let that person see something nice that will open their brain and open their heart. Say it in English, say it in Turkish, say it in gibberish, say it in any language you want. Because brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. The best type of dua is the one that comes out from your heart. And the one that comes out from your heart is the one that you mean. And the one that you mean is the one you understand. If I tell you a whole lot of Arabic and you don't understand what I'm saying, is that going to work? No, Allah wants the, the, the dua that you understand. Even in prayer, the ulama agree 
that outside of the compulsory salat, you can make dua in any language. And some even said that even in sujood, in the normal salat, the, the farad prayer, you can make dua in there, in any language. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to hear what you say from your heart. That's the way the dua works, inshaAllah ta'ala. Just before you leave, we've got one more, inshallah. Sorry for sister over here. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Sheikh, you mentioned that we are here for a purpose. Yes. My question is how can we go about finding that purpose in addition to our ultimate purpose of worship? My sister, to find the purpose is by reading and understanding the Quran. That's where you find the purpose. This is how I found it. And then when you don't know something that's said in the Quran, you have to go to uh, either the local masjid or somewhere where they can help you to explain what is being recited or what is being read. Sometimes you may have someone in your family who knows Arabic very well. They can help you to understand what the Quran is saying, what the, what the words of Allah is saying. You want to find the purpose. It's all in the Quran, my dear sister. It's all in the Quran. And I, a, lot of, a lot of the young people, I, I, I see a lot of these parents, even yesterday someone came up to me and said, my, my son is memorizing the Quran. I said, mashallah, that's beautiful. But there's always this little thing. I, I always think, okay, so are you memorizing it just like a parrot? Which is amazing if you memorize the Quran. But there's also the other side. We need to try and understand what we're reading. Now, brothers and sisters, nearly every part of the Quran is repetitive in its own way. It doesn't matter where you read in the Quran, it teaches you the purpose of life in a different way. So, to know the purpose of life is to recite the Quran and try to understand what it says. A good, uh, um, a good uh, interpretation of the Quran that I like reading, I don't know how good your, uh, your English is in your level, it's Al-Mawdudi. Al-Mawdudi, it's called Tafheem Al-Quran. Tafheem Al-Quran. Or you can type islamicstudies.info Al-Mawdudi and you, you'll get a modern type of translation that's really close with, with examples and things like that. So that's all it really is, brothers and sisters. You want to know the purpose? Read the Quran. That's how... And the more you do it, the more, inshallah, you'll come in tune to it. That's how people convert to Islam. They said, we read the Quran and we found that the Quran is reading us. It's telling us. So that's the best advice I can give you, inshallah. Ta'ala. I have just two more questions here very quickly. Um, if your parents pass away and you feel that you didn't treat them the best very good question or done enough what can you do now to make up for it and be forgiven by Allah what a beautiful question these are questions I love as well so a companion came to the Prophet peace be upon him and asked him the exact same question he says Ya Rasulallah my parents passed away what can I do for them after that they passed away and he said five things remember them constantly make dua for them that is obedient that is dutifulness to them number two not only dua so you might say oh allah grant them paradise oh allah unite them with the righteous oh allah send my message to them that i love them dua number two istighfar asking allah to forgive them there's a little bit of difference between the two oh allah forgive their sins oh allah forgive their shortcomings oh allah um pardon their shortcomings that's number two number three if they left a will or something that they wanted you to do try and remember if there's anything they would have loved you to do but you didn't do it in your life do it now if they've written something or left a will do it 
If you remember them, they used to advise you to do something and you're able to do it now, go ahead and do it. Number four is, it's probably hard on some people, but I'm going to say it and you try your best inshallah. Try to connect your ties or at least do good, a good service or something nice to the people who are related to you through them. So your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, so your mother or your father who passed away, they're the reason why they're related to you. Even if you don't get along with them or you do, maybe you haven't talked to them, whatever. Try to figure out something good that Allah would like and you do it for them. Try something good that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards you for. for. For those of us, if it's hard on you, I know a lot of people, they always open this up. They said, how can we do it? People are toxic, people are this, people are that. For those types of people, it doesn't hurt to even send a text message. Assalamu alaikum. That's it. And the minimum that a person can do is at least one of six. If they say assalamu alaikum, to say wa alaikum assalam. Or you say assalamu alaikum. If they sneeze and they happen to be next to you and they say alhamdulillah, say alhamdulillah. If they ask you for advice, give them sincere advice. Don't shut them down. If they invited you for a wedding or some big family event, go to it even if you just show up and leave so long as it's halal of course number four number five is that if they are ill or sick check on them even if a text message even if you visit them even if you just call them even briefly no matter what was even if they say bad things to you if you're not getting along with them you've done your part and number six if they die go to their funeral so this is the minimum that we can do and you would be good to your parents by doing that and the last thing that you can do for your parents if they had friends in this life and you knew their friends, do something good for them. Even if they were non-Muslim. Even if your parents had non-Muslim friends. We're not saying that you have to go and live with them and you have to go and out and come back. No, do something nice to them. Send them a gift. Make dua for them. Uh, say something nice to them. Smile to them when you meet them. So these are the five things that you can do for your parents. And there is a last one, of course, and that is give charity and sadaqah on their behalf. So there's another hadith, was sadaqatu anhuma, give a charity. And the best type of charity that you can give for a person who passes away, number one is water, a fountain, a well, because it's ongoing. And there are other types of charities. And the last one, if a person didn't go to hajj during their life and they die, can you do hajj on their behalf? Yes, of course you can. You can do hajj on their behalf on one condition. On the condition that you've already done your hajj already. Now, if you haven't done your hajj already, and you want to do the Hajj for them, there are other options. You can send your money, there is a way, if you know anybody in Saudi, you've got a relative or a friend, or you can go to the local mosque and ask them, you can go to a charity organization, I don't know if MATW does it as well, where they've got people over there, you've got sometimes students at Medina, you've got other people over there, they pay them $2,000 and they do the Hajj for your parents or the people who have passed away. And that's also allowed. So they pay them money just for their food and their accommodation. And they do the hajj on their behalf. And that is also part of the sunnah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala thank you. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you. And thank you for listening. Wassalamu alaikum.